Tyler is an idiot, and I hate his guts. I'm singing this song because I want to kick Tyler in the nuts. Hello everyone, we are neither soupy, but we, oh yeah, I guess we are soupy, but we're not whiskered, no. We're not soupy, but we are whiskered, but neither of those apply really, because we're actually the super whiskey bros. I would uh, say I'm very Tyler. soupy personally. Maybe soupy, yeah. Uh, and yeah, unfortunately, I, he's Sean. And that's even more unfortunate than last time. Now, this oh. time, uh, we announced at the end of last week that we were going to be talking about Lovecraft video games this week. Uh, and I put it in the show notes for the for the episode that we changed our mind on that because we're kind of more having an introductory HP Lovecraft episode, right? Because before we get started on an author, we figure we might have a, a quick breakdown of the author. Now, if we're going to do something like we want to talk about a book or a book series, we're not going to do a whole... Um, uh, a whole episode just introdu introducing the author for that book or book series. But when we have so much, you know, so much content that we're going to be hitting on over the next however long about Lovecraft, you know, it's, it's probably a good idea for if anyone doesn't know much about him to have a quick, oh, by the way, he was this way. He's, he's this guy, this is him, boom. You know. <clears throat> yeah, and, and as much as that may seem insulting to the listener who probably does know a fair bit it's worth mentioning that our biggest goal with this is going to be to kind of convey what we what makes him special and what we find about him that makes him special and that's going to be really important to have that background when we start talking about video games that are patterned after his particular style mm -hmm. and also uh, it's it's rather important to note that we're going to give several personal opinions, and you may think our personal opinions are stupid. Um, uh, we're also going to state some things as fact that it turns out may be incorrect. We may have got it from a, a bad source, and you may have a source that says, you guys are actually wrong about this, here's what's actually going on. And if that happens, uh, we have given you an avenue to correct us or for you to tell us why you think our opinions are stupid because we have created a Discord server that we're both at least somewhat active in as best as you can for a brand new Discord server that hasn't been announced yet or linked anywhere. Um, uh, and it so will be linked for active. the first time in the show notes for this podcast and in the description of the... Um, uh, of the uh, uh, a YouTube video uh, that's related to this podcast. And until I find a more permanent spot to put it where it's always up, I will continue to put it into the show notes and YouTube descriptions unless I forget. Yeah. All that's mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Not a single thing you said is not true. 
Uh, Hold on, I'm gonna try to get this right. Hold on, don't no, don't say anything yet. Don't say a thing. Did it work that time? Yes, actually, it did very much. I heard it. It sounded like static, but since I knew what you were doing, I was able to, I was able to hear it. Um, uh, but what were you doing, Tyler? Why I was lighting a match to light a pipe. Lighting a match to light a pipe. What's in that pipe? Why there's tobacco in it. Tobacco. Ah, yes. One of my my favorite thing to put through a pipe. You've heard of it before, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I, ha I have. I have. Um, uh, Hold on, I'll I actually. What did I grab? I haven't cleaned oh. out my pipe uh, from last week, and so I'm not. I don't actually have a pipe this morning. But um, I'm one not of the sure more important this thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Thing. No, 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 you continue with your pipe. Um, I, I didn't no, realize no, you were still you talking about it. you don't want to hear. I, I don't, but they do. It's a good point. Um, I don't remember what's in this bag. All I know is that you made it for me, and on the bag, you wrote down drugs, crossed out drugs, and wrote not drugs on it. <laughs> I didn't make that for you. I made it for Emmanuel. Well, he never came. I'm smoking it. <laughs> yeah, that's a hit. He, um, he asked me to make him a, he asked me to make him a blend. Um, uh, and so I just threw something together. It's a, it's a high burly e English. So, uh, it'll have a fairly, it'll, it'll taste like most, it, most other Englishes. I think I put some extra, extra Latakia in that one. So it'll have kind of a smoky taste, <laughs> smoky taste in the pipe. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying though? Latakia is a smokier tobacco. Um, uh, as far as in flavor, not creates more smoke, but, uh, and also it's high burly. So it'll be a, a bit more nicotine content. Uh, than my other blends do. <clears throat> well, it's fantastic. But, mm, oh yeah, it, it it should be. I never tried it, but it should be good. But anyways, yeah. The more important question is, what are you drinking? I actually still, <clears throat> from last week, wanted some more old hammer. I decided to make a very very basic, uh, old fashioned with it to see how it mixes. Um, <laughs> do you find that funny? I do, and I'll explain to you when you're finished. Oh, why well, can be finished if you want to talk about it? No, 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 no. That, that's that, that's fine. Um, uh, it was just very interesting. Something that you said compared to something that I'm doing. <clears throat> Are you making an old fashioned? I also made an old fashioned, <laughs> and Beautiful. we didn't talk. We didn't talk about what we were drinking no. ahead of time. No, I think it's funny that we both made an old fashioned. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, I thought you were laughing because I farted very loudly next to the microphone. Thought maybe it came through, oh. but anyways. Unfortunately, I didn't hear it. That's too bad. Um, I would like to report that this was a poor idea with a whiskey that I already knew was too sweet. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think this is just not a whiskey I'm a fan of. I mean, even I I I don't go as all out with making a mixed drink as you do. So I pretty much just like ice whiskey and splash of bitters and call it an old fashioned, even though it's probably not really. Uh, I have I've made an old fashioned out of a whiskey that I don't really like because I made a mistake. Um, uh, I don't know if it was if it's all Glenmorangie. But or just this bottle that I bought, but after I bought it, I noticed that on the front of it, it's labeled "Made for Mixing," and I don't really like it very well. Neat, it's not very good, which is unfortunate because it's a single malt Highland, and so it should be delicious. But this must, must must be like the the nasty bits because it did say "Made for Mixing" on it. 
Um, I should have known when at my liquor store like charges out the butt for scotch, and this was like less than thirty bucks. But I should have known there was something up with it. But um, uh, but I made uh, this I made for mixing, so I tried mixing it. I made um uh, an old fashioned with it, and it is the best old fashioned I've made in my life. It's this is beautiful for it. Well, it was made for mixing. Mm-hmm. And that's just what I did. <clears throat> but anyways, uh, on on to the next bait. Um, uh, that's a reference that no one's gonna get. You don't even get it. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, <clears throat> no one got it. Yeah. Yay! My wife got it, but she's in the other room and can't respond. Um, uh, so she didn't get it because she didn't hear it. Got it. She may have heard me say it, but she couldn't adequately respond from in there. Um, uh, but yeah, um, oh yeah, uh, our, our, our good friend, uh, <coughs> one Howard Phillips Lovecraft. My best friend. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know what information you have about him and about his writing style. Here is all I know about H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, he was born in April of 18... April? August? I didn't even know that about him. He was born in August of 1890 <laughs> and died in March of 1937. Which, by the there way, to put go. that in perspective, he died before The Lord of the Rings was published, but he was two years older than Tolkien. Yeah, his, he had a pretty uh, pretty tragic life, really. Didn't It didn't live all mm. that long. Not really. Yeah. <clears throat> now, I... We'll say this, uh, the, the cancer that killed him, even in the 20s when and, and early 30s when it started to get kind of bad, um, uh, uh, even in that era, uh, medical science was enough that they probably could have taken care of it, if nothing else, surgically. But he had such a severe eotophobia that he refused to see a physician about it, and so it's kind of on him. And he in, and he bragged about being mal- malnourished. He said he could live on, I believe he said, a loaf of bread and a can of beans for a week. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, I mean, you have to be a very strange person um, mm-hmm. to have the interests uh, and abilities that somebody like that had. There's, I mean, like that's why a lot of it. We kind of say tragic a lot when we're talking about authors. Who have issues or have problems or things happen to them. But I mean, really, if you think about it, I don't think he could have been the person he was without these eccentricities. Yeah, obviously, you know, there, there are eccentricities there. Uh, but he wasn't this, you know, weird recluse that people, you know, um, uh, say he was. I mean, like, pe- people think of him as this, like, you know, dark, brooding loner that was, you know, well, um, uh, uh, you know what? Whatever. Uh, he um. Uh, uh, like he spent years traveling the U.S. And the, what he did in travel, traveling to different parts of the country. Actually, a lot of his uh, the inspiration for a lot of his stories came from those travels. And what he was doing was he was visiting friends and spending like weeks at a time with his friends. So like he very much had lots of friends. And, um, uh, uh, and I'm like, like, he, he was genuinely, like, you know, he was odd, but he's genuinely kind of cool. And if you read his letters, like, you don't even have to read his funny stories that he has. Read his letters, you see the dude had a phenomenal sense of humor. So he wasn't this, this weirdo, you know. 
and Whoa. and the, the the most important description I think I've ever heard of of H.P. Lovecraft was um, uh, from Sonia Green during the brief time that she stayed with him. Um, uh, she described him as an adequately excellent lover. Oh, adequately <laughs> excellent. Adequately excellent. <laughs> hey, all we care, all we need to be is average. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, th- there's there is this kind of if you watch a lot of um, <clears throat> biographies mm-hmm. or other YouTubers who do videos on him and stuff like that, they seem to point out. Um, he was like, oh, he was very eccentric and like well yeah sure like oh he's there's, he never wanted to be with people that's why his marriage didn't last like when well, you talk about someone who's written literally thousands of letters to people mm-hmm. to communicate with them to stay in touch people who are trying to be recluses don't exactly do that yeah oh and in the the whole marriage didn't last thing he got the the last word on that because um uh she you know she filed for the divorce and then went off to wherever she went I think she went out west but I don't remember where and got remarried and um uh uh and then after he and she got remarried and then after he died she found out that he had never signed the divorce papers mm-hmm. and so she was still married to to him when she got remarried and she absolutely freaked out cuz now she's a bigamist and a terrible person <laughs> what <laughs> that, that's that's what she said but um uh, which I which she was a terrible person anyway which, by, by the way I I have to address the elephant in the room there are probably people who are saying, "Why are you talk? Why didn't you talk so much about H.P. Lovecraft? Didn't you know he was a racist?" Um, uh, and then, um, well, th- 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 there there are two things you probably heard from our figured out from our, our last podcast that if he were a racist, that wouldn't stop us from enjoying his work. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and separate and the, the art from the, the artist. Thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the other thing with that is most of the. So, like, if you read his books and how he says and what he did, some of those, a few of the things that he said in his letters, was he racist by today's stand by today's definition of racism? And the answer is, yeah, probably. But there, you know, it was it was it was not only was it different back then. There are like there there are people who talked about like even in the even from the day, uh, it talked about him being him him being particularly racist. Even people around his time said that. But it, it's very interesting, the two people who really were talking about that, and that was Sonia Green, his, his ex-wife, and she listed that as the, the reason for uh, as, as the re- reason for, for leaving him. And then she told one of his best friends that he was racist, and he stopped being friends with him, and then he told people that he was racist too. Um, uh, but... One thing that I, I I really think needs to to be mentioned is I don't think we can particularly trust anything that Sonia Green had to say, because like she seemed like the way she acted and the way she was she actually kind of seems like what we what you would call a modern like what what the the modern day would call an SJW she kind of seemed that way, and it's actually kind of funny, uh, be, I mean be, be, uh, because if you look at and, and the reason why I say I compare her to that is because in today's crowd. Those are the only people who would do something like this particular thing. And that is like, you know, um, uh, and, and I think she called him a racist because she was upset with him and angry with him. Um, uh, and that is that and that, that 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 that's me. And I could be wrong about that. But that's from other things that I've gathered. That's why I think she took that route um, uh, because then she went and told his best friend that he was a terrible person. 
um, uh, to try to ruin that relationship. And that, you know, in today's crowd, that's the only people who do crap like that is the is, is the SJW types. But also, here, here's another kind of damning thing that shows how terrible of a person Sonya Green was. Did you know that she wrote an autobiography? About herself? Yeah, that's what most autobiographies are about, yeah. No, no, she wrote no an autobiography. Know, like, that's random. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you know that she had a daughter? Uh, no. Did you know that the fact that she had a daughter is never once mentioned in her autobiography? Uh-huh. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of a... Even if you don't like your daughter, that's kind of a douchey, <laughs> terrible person thing to do. <laughs> I lived a terrible, you know? lonely life, Mom. I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, like, it's, it's so for, for, for that reason, like... That's, you know, with, with what context I have, and again, I'm putting the Discord in the show notes, so you guys can, by all means, you know, go in there and say, hey, you're wrong about this, and here's here's my evidence why, and I'll gladly read it, and if, and if you know, you, you, you show me something, then I will correct it in the very next recording session. Um, uh, <clears throat> that may be several episodes <laughs> down the line, depending on how we record, but the very next recording session that we record, I will correct myself um, uh, using... Uh, using your evidence or if you show something that could be evidence i will say hey look i also have additional evidence that shows the opposite of what i said so you know take either one with a grain of salt i'll go i'll, I'll go either route but um uh, from the evidence that i have she's a terrible person and not to be trusted yeah and i, I want to say one thing on this but then we should definitely mm-hmm. switch gears to talking about specifics because we're slowly turning this into a socio-political podcast yeah <laughs> um um it's worth mentioning. Not where we should be. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's worth mentioning everyone's favorite author from that time period and earlier was, by today's standards, racist. All of them. Mm-hmm. Every, every, every single one, period. Um, because you have a different time period with different values and different concepts and different things that, that you think. And even <clears throat> the people who were considered to be pioneers will say... Um, mm-hmm. of of um, yeah. champion of the people, whatever. Even they were racist by today's standards. Um, so I mean, that's the reason why. Like, enjoy enjoy the work. You can dislike the author and still enjoy the art, because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous to try to to put any work of history through the modern mm-hmm. lens, because it's not the modern. It wasn't <laughs> the modern time then. There are just different mm-hmm. things. Of course, he was. Yeah, I do think he was. He was one hundred percent racist by today's standards. But today's mm-hmm. standards are are very different than what they would have been in the early 1900s. Yeah. Um. Uh, and then, um, 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 go- before we actually get into the true meat and two veg of our discussion, um, uh, there's one thing I I need to address about the racism. There is one thing that he like you know you can tell from his writings and from him as an individual something that he despised that people today are calling. Um, uh, his despising of this, I almost said disposition, his despising of this <laughs> racist. And it is true that in today's stand, like, even, like, but there's no dictionary definition of racism that would call this opinion racist, but people today call this racist, and so therefore, that's one of the things that, because I hear people talk about this all the time, and that was, um, uh, uh, and and that that was you know, he, he was this way and they said he was racist and we know this because of this and that is he was greatly opposed to the mixing of cultures that is if you're going to go join another culture you better join that other culture and so that and that that, that was his whole thing because if you look at his books 
who are the terrible people in his books. The people who come from someplace else and bring their own stuff and don't fully integrate. Um, uh, and the good people, and the people, because people talk about like, you know, he's racist, he hates black people. But then if you look at the case of Charles Dexter Ward, there's a black family and he mentions them being fantastic people that he loves dearly. And they're, but they're the people that, you know, like they, they're not trying to change anything. They're good, hardworking people that are members of the community. And so that, that's what he was, he was truly against. Um, uh, mixing this culture with this culture. You're this culture. This other person is this culture. Don't try to intermingle the cultures. And that's what. So he was a culturist, if that's a thing, but not a racist. Yeah, that, and that's a really important thing. But um, he was very dedicated to the idea of um, well, obviously Providence that was uh, his area. So that mm -hmm. sort of New England. Um, uh, particular thing he, he's from a school of thought that even by his time uh was tentatively mm -hmm. nearly antiquated uh, of being this uh uh of, of following the old oxford scholar uh, a, a way of being educated which is something i'm i'm very very uh in, in line with and very passionate about and have been for most of my adult life of this idea of uh, it's kind of even anti the way our colleges are now you should be um, you, you know, extremely well informed about every single thing and subject, and be well written and well spoken. It's like, um, you're not, you may, you're specialized in something, but you're beyond decent at every single aspect of 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 being an intellect. And you have even so even by, um, he was even against colleges of the time. So I mean, like he 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 had this idea of what of what um let's just say a, a man of rhode island should be let's just say that mm -hmm. uh, because like he even he even hated the way the men around him uh were educated so i mean he just had this very set idea of what he thought was uh, of what he thought the life should be in society should be so i mean like everything just made him angry all the time so when you see him like get in a book and get mad and be like these people who 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 happen to be black are going to they're destroying they're like how can i how can i convey that these people that are in mm -hmm. my area and that are coming into my area are destroying oh i know they're bringing in uh devil worship essentially if, i mean if you read mm -hmm. like uh, the horror at red hook it's essentially like yeah. all these immigrants who have brought in devil <laughs> worship more or less if you're reading the beginning of the book so he just hates everything <laughs> yeah and and and, and that, that that that's that's the difference like you know uh by today's standards if there's a group of black people that I hate, I'm racist because I hate this group of black people. But it's not, I hate them because of the group they are, and it just so happens they are black. If this same group was white, I'd still hate the group, you know. And that that, yeah, that that's that's yeah that that's the whole point. Like you know, of course I'm a misanthrope, so I hate everybody. But yeah, we're I mean like we're originally from the Richmond, uh, Indiana area, originally, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and um uh, yeah that means everyone we hate is white. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because like the four black people in town are decent people <laughs> all five of them actually yeah <clears throat> but welcome to um, the midwest uh, everybody yeah <clears throat> but the um, anyways uh, yeah of course R richmond richmond is a town that you can hate everybody in right like you go there and say i hate everyone like, you know when there's such a with such a drug problem that the the city has a 30 percent hepatitis population everyone in town sucks <clears throat> 
This is true, and we should definitely not talk about this and change the subject because this is getting very minuscule. Yeah, it is. My bad. Um, uh, okay. No, it was uh, me too. So, <clears throat> yeah. Hashtag on me the, too. Um, uh, <clears throat> um, uh, <clears throat> on the... Uh, it's, it's very interesting talking about his, his, his writing um, uh, because obviously he hated living in New York uh, partially because he hated cities that were that size, and also partially because that was the biggest mingling of cultures he had seen up to that point. Um, oh, yeah. uh, and so, like, he was super angry the whole time he was living in New York, so that's actually kind of funny, because he kind of perfected his storytelling while he was in New York, but his writing quality didn't get any better because he was too angry to, to write well. So if you look at his older works, his storytelling has always been beautiful, but his his original Providence works... Um, uh, they there's fantastic storytelling, but from a critical standpoint, not very well written. Then he went to New York, and the storytelling improved even further, but the writing quality didn't improve. But then all of a sudden, something clicked when he moved back to Providence from New York, and like his storytelling went even further to the fantastic, and his writing quality became fantastic too. And he was just like. Like, if you look at, like, his stuff, like, you know, it's it's pretty good, it's pretty good, uh, what's in New York is pretty good. As soon as he moves back to Providence from New York, everything is beautiful. That's when you have the the shadow over Innsmouth, um, uh, the, 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 the case of Charles, uh, I think the, I think Charles Dexter Ward, shadow over Innsmouth, uh, at the Mountains of Madness, and, um, uh, uh, the Dunwich Horror were all written after he moved back to Providence. <clears throat> Yeah, oh, and if you also dr- about Dreams in the Witch House and The Sting on the Doorstep. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I interrupted. That's fine. And, and all of those are obviously fantastic. But it's worth mm-hmm. mentioning um, the case of Charles Dexter Ward. You want to talk mm-hmm. about a story that gets into the fantastic side. Because all of the stuff he does is obviously fantastic. But I mean, they're very mm-hmm. grounded in the real world. You want to get when he's way out of the real world. Case of Charles Dexter Ward. So clearly, that's when he was like mm-hmm. really exploring the fantastic. Because he has three or four lengthy stories that are just like hard to read because of how out of our world they are mm-hmm. uh yeah but the so yeah the, the one that's the hardest to read because of its otherworldliness but it's also one of his best stories and this is a pre to pre providence two, whatever you want to call it uh work <laughs> um uh, and so it, it's it's providence in, during to the, the time providencing yeah exactly <clears throat> um uh the steam-powered boogaloo um, uh, <laughs> but he, um, uh, uh, and so, and so th- this was when his writing, like the, the, the critically speaking, the quality of his writing wasn't as good as it could have been, but it was still a phenomenal story, but it was hard to read because of its otherworldliness. And that would be the dream quest of unknown Kadath. Oh my goodness. Yes, on the plains of the Shuggas beneath the realm of Cairn, I'll put kind of the, the flying man buzzers of like, oh my good Lord God. Mm-hmm. But as, as far as cementing the mythos, not a whole lot of stories did more than that one did. No, it did fantastically well for cementing the mythos, and that's why I love it. But also, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, I, it's incredible how far out of left field he goes with dis- with describing stuff, mm-hmm. and it's great. But oh mm-hmm. my goodness, yeah, and the uh, um, yeah, it, it what's really cool is is a lot of stuff that he talks about. The people are like, that's stupid. That's that's this is a scientific thing he's talking about. That's retarded. The thing is, obviously, our our scientific understanding has changed, you know, since then. And his um, uh, 
his books are so incredibly well founded in the science of the day. Oh like goodness. there were tools, like like t- tools that I know about, things that we still use today in things because they're such good tools. Um, uh, but they had only been invented, like just you know maybe t- uh, you know twenty, thirty, forty years before he um uh, uh b- b- before he um uh, uh was writing stuff. Like I remember in one of his books, I forget which one, it was probably in the Mountains of Madness. Uh, he mentioned something using a dynamo, and like, I mean, like, like you know, the dynamo was was invented by by Michael Faraday. Uh, like in 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 the at the Mountains of Madness, he talks about uh the the way they use the the style of portable flashlight they use, and he said like something to the effect of soon to be made public, referring to his flashlight. And if you look at it, like, the year that that was supposed to have happened was, like, a year before that type of flashlight started appearing in Sears catalogs. The The cool thing about some of his writing is he, um, uh, like, because of how cutting-edge everything that he did, uh, like, like, was at the time, like, when he started to write The Whisperer in Darkness, uh, he mentioned in the story that... A like the Mega would reveal Yugath when the time was right, and oh at the goodness, time that, that he had, that, that he'd yeah yeah oh at, my at the time he had written that sentence in the story they had not discovered Pluto yet, and then by the time to- before he finished the story they had discovered Pluto. So he mentioned it in the story and they discovered this planet and he's revealing P- Pluto as Yugath, but when he said the Mego will reveal Yugath. People had not observed Pluto at the time of his writing that. I don't think people understand how much of an absolute travesty it was that he was not as popular as he should have been during his time. You realize how terrified people would have been? Everyone everywhere would have been terrified. People would have been crapping their pants every day they woke up. Oh, absolutely. Just like you do, but it's unrelated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not scared. I just poop myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah. Well, that, um, uh, if you, unless you have something else to say, which if you do say it, this is a beautiful segue into some of the stuff story wise that kind of makes us anchor uh, into mm-hmm. Lovecraft the way that you and I do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's all I, ha- I had to say about that. The first thing I, I, I want to say about story is because there, there's a story that um, I, I wanted to, to briefly mention. Uh, if we like, you know, spend time talking about stories in a, a later episode or something like that, then we'll go in, into more detail about this. But the thing on the doorstep, right? Oh, yes, it's, beautiful. It's about a man who marries a woman, and then once he marries that woman, he realizes that this woman is actually, <clears throat> um, uh, and it. it uh, because uh, there's some speculation that Ephraim may have been not Ephraim, that someone else you know may have gone into him the same way that he goes into people. Sure. Um. Uh, and so for that reason, it's discovered that Ephraim was half woman, half man, and potentially half <laughs> ancient spirit of some sort. <clears throat> Where could this possibly be going? Yeah. Um, uh, and so, uh, no, 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 uh, yeah, it could be going there, but I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> um, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm making a different joke. Um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, and then it turns out that, um, uh, 
that Asenath here, is the the whole reason why why she I'll I'll call Asenath a she. Um, uh, I'll be progressive. Um, uh, the whole reason why she um uh, she she married uh, Ed was so she could marry she could a take over man. his. Yeah, so, so 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 she could take over his life because Ed was super gullible and she wanted to completely take over his life, uh, and then uh, eventually Ed figures out the ruse and he's had enough, and he solves the problem, and then even after the problem should have been completely and totally solved, Asenath still finds a way to ruin his life. And that story is very near and dear to me because it really reminds me of you and your ex-wife. <laughs> I caught on. I caught on right before the ending. <laughs> oh man. What a wild uh, ride that was. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I have so much of a deeper connection to that story. <clears throat> Beautiful. Beautiful. The great thing is, is that that's such a ubiquitous joke that I specifically was talking about your ex-wife, but people don't have to know her for that joke to be funny. (laughs) No, 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 they don't. That's still that's that's fun. That's good fun for everyone. So, so let's 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 take some of this time now to kind of. Um, I don't care if we both take a few minutes individually or and start riffing off each other here or not, but let's talk about the the, the concept of of what he actually created here with um mm-hmm. with the mythos and the concept again. And I don't mean like break down all the elder gods and all that kind of stuff, but I mean like for me, when I approach something, you like to approach things from this idea of like here are all the things that happened and they are factual and they are things, and I like to approach them from this this more kind of Here's the whole thing as a concept, as a nut in a nutshell. So I kind of mm-hmm. wanted you to talk first about it. Yeah. So like the the the, the biggest thing is the absolute um uh, uh, phenomenal mythos that he created, and then established it in such a way to allow other people to write in that mythos. Uh, I forget what story it was. One of his 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 older stories. Uh, he wrote. He kind of wrote this story, kind of to to start to establish the mythos. I think it was like the first time he mentioned the Miskatonic Valley, um, uh, and he, he kind of wanted to establish that area. But the whole reason why he wrote that story is like someone else wrote a story, and they tried to make it into a decent, scary story, and he wrote the story, um, uh, and effectively, kind of like I don't know if he directly addressed the person. That wrote the other story, but he effectively said, I'm writing this story because that guy writed this story and I wanted to rewrite that story, but good. Um, uh, <clears throat> and I forget what story about? it was. Huh? I don't remember. What was it about? I, uh, see, all, all I, it's one of the first mentions of the Miskatonic Valley is all I really remember about the story. Okay, okay, so sure, it was one of, one, sure. of his, one of his somewhat earlier works. I don't remember which story it was. Um, uh, I'll have to go back and listen to it. Um, uh, it was... Uh, 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 so, so it, it was it was the 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 guys from the the H.P. Lovecraft literary thing that were that were talking about it, uh, but then when he wrote that he sent that before he published the story or maybe right at right afterwards or whatever he sent out the story to like all his writing friends and even some of his you know people that he kind of adopted as like 
writers under him. Like one of them was 14 years old at the time. And he sent out that story to everybody and said, hey, look, guys, I created uh, a fictional area, fictional fiction. Uh, now, now here's a place for you guys to write your stories in. Have at it. And he was the, yeah. the like, as far as I know, the first author to do that. And that that's yeah. that's what he created. And that's what's beautiful. He encouraged everyone to write within his mythos. Well, a lot of his letters, a lot of his correspondence, um, and obviously they're all over the place. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, do kind of they are kind of um, not critiques as much as um, some giving people some leg ups and and some assists in writing mm-hmm. inside of this um this universe that he's created within our own actual universe so he'll be like oh yes that would work over here because of this thing and and because this entity is this that would work and this wouldn't work because this thing is this he was very passionate about people getting it right but he was very passionate about them doing it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Oh, this is this this is kind of a tangent, but um, I was thinking about other people that he kind of um, uh, like some some of his other horror peers, and um, uh, the way he wrote and the way they wrote, and he encouraged people writing that, and it, it made me think of something. Some of his stories in which the good guys win, or at least the good guys start off winning, um, uh, some of the stories before they were published, they were edited by Durlith, and right. Durlith was always he, he was very much the. Because um, uh, he had kind of the opposite worldview as as Lovecraft did. You know, he's far friends. too hopeful. He's far too hopeful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like d- yeah. D- so so d- Durlith was an extreme Christian, and so he was always hopeful and wanting the people to win. Um, uh, uh, Lovecraft was a cosmicist and a humanist and an atheist, and so he and an um, arse, uh, not an arse, Sorry, so sorry. It's very important to mention here, he, mm-hmm. very quickly because it's very very important. <clears throat> He is mm-hmm. the most impressive nihilist in existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to write these stories, he's the most impressive nihilist ever. Yeah, and Keep for going. all those reasons, yeah, for all those reasons, his his stories were his outlook was kind of that of despair. Um, uh, and so some of his stories that I noticed that Durlith edited, and the good guys kind of win a little bit, and I wonder if like if if. If Lovecraft was like noticing that maybe my stories will sell a little bit better if there's some triumph for the good guys, or right. if it was later, Durlith was like, "There needs to be at least some victory. Let me add this in." <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it was. I think it was a healthy combination of both because obviously um, Lovecraft and August Durlith, um had a mm-hmm. lot of correspondence, arguably the most correspondence. Obviously, we don't have all the letters, so we can't prove that, but they, they mm-hmm. arguably had the most correspondence um, between the two of them, and he's the most mm-hmm. prolific Lovecraft writer within and then barely extending the Lovecraft era, uh, mm-hmm. and he has uh, he, he did the most to expand um, the Lovecraftian universe, so it's <coughs> worth mentioning that he probably had a lot of influence on Lovecraft and vice versa. Yeah, but that's, like, you know, that that's what I love about Lovecraft, is, like, even during the times when his writing quality is objectively not that good, um, uh, his storytelling is so good that you don't even care. Yeah. You know, like, he's he just, like, the, the <coughs> spins a yarn, you know? <laughs> yeah. His style also is my favorite, because I love, I mean, people hate the, the, insane run-on sentences and in the words that nobody uses but imagine being like in that time frame you're like how do i want to tell people that someone's fat i know corpulent who says that Mm -hmm. nobody nobody says corpulent it's great i love that (laughs) um uh of course how most of the corpulent people turn out in lovecraft's books you might as well call them corpsulent hey (laughs) hey 
I'm uh <clears throat> but I'm uh yeah, they uh <clears throat> uh and then like uh, the, the, there there's sometimes like you know uh Lovecraft has to make certain leaps and you see those leaps come out as flaws in his in his writing sometimes. Like I'm gonna give um uh In the Vault as as an example. Uh for him to like come in there and show the injuries to the doctor. And then like I assume that um uh, uh I, I I assume that what was used to cut the the tendons and and everything in the back of the uh, in 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 the back of the the grave diggers' legs was the uh, was the bad I forget the bad guy's name the dead man was his teeth and right. so like and because I said you know, mentioned he was missing his front teeth and that's how the doctor was able to easily identify the body but um uh, uh but the there, 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 there are a few things there. Like the first thing is, why would the doctor immediately like look at the wounds on the back of his legs, and immediately say, you know, not nothing. Maybe he scraped it on a rake or something and said, "Hey, wait a minute, I recognize the shape of those marks." That was like unless, like, like unless it was obviously bite marks from a human jaw. Like, because if he just grabbed it and bit down and that was it. But the the way I viewed it was because it seemed like it hurt as he came out so the way i viewed it was he like bit down on his legs and dragged his his teeth down so it would have looked just like shredded cuts but like i guess if the, if the idea was he grabbed the legs and arr, bit the legs and there was obviously an imprint of a human bite mark then i would get that and then i had the gap to show the gap in the teeth to show that it was that guy i guess that's believable and i just convinced myself that it was believable from from that point but <laughs> never mind. Myself, okay, yeah, that story's I, well written. <laughs> I let myself believe all of those things. I think I, um, I think when you're starting to read a Lovecraft story, the important thing to do is that ninety percent, well, technically all of his stories are short stories. Technically speaking, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I mean, the majority of them some are, of the longer are ones would be considered short. novellas. But yeah, mm-hmm. novellas. There's like mm-hmm. four novellas in his whole. Um, um, I almost I almost said discography, in his whole. What's it called? Yep. Oh my goodness! Whatever, it doesn't matter. Kind of. Thank you. His yeah. his in the anthology, <clears throat> most of them are are short stories. So th- we have mm-hmm. to make a lot of leaps and have to make them very quickly to follow the mm-hmm. story and still keep it short. So I let all that slide. I don't let it bother me. I think it's useful. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, to to hit on um, for me, what is the most important part? And I'm a bit of a um. I'm a bit of a Lovecraft fanatic, um, and I know that mm-hmm. you're you're a giant fan. And I'm not saying that like I'm more of a fan of you, but I mean like I'm I'm the guy who like listens to it, gosh darn near every single day, and like has have like just covered in Lovecraft tattoos and all this other stuff. I, I'm this is my favorite author. This is my my number one uh, for this reason. Mm-hmm. What Lovecraft has managed to do was to create. What is technically a non-disputable version of our world, mm-hmm. technically speaking, in the same way that religion, anyone's religion for the most part, and we're not talking about Scientology, that's different, is non-disputable, right? We mm-hmm. Things are presented forward that can't be disproved, and they are set in parallel with things that are provable, mm-hmm. Um 
which is why I, I you can kind of consider um, um, the mythos to be a cult, really, um, a religious cult, technically speaking. <clears throat> so you've got you you have someone who managed to take the world and say, here's why things the way, are the way they are loosely, and here's all the things that we don't know about, here's kind of why we don't know about them, and here's all the people who are finding out some of these things about them. And mm-hmm. the stories to find out these things are, I mean, even in like the kind of a, um, I don't want to say lame ones in, in, in terms of, of how he's describing things scientifically. Um, you have the story of the guy who creates the machine who allows, the machine allows him to see some of these otherworldly entities. He like describes in detail of why this machine allows him to see, like, hey, this is the pineal gland. This machine sets these reverberations out into our like room that we're in in a way that activates your pineal gland in a different way that allows you to see different spectrums of light and now we can see the things we couldn't see before you can't mm-hmm. dispute that mm-hmm. granted because it's not provable but I mean like you have you could walk away from that story going well holy crap well could I actually yeah. see these things if this thing <clears throat> happened you can't prove mm-hmm. that you can't what's walking <clears throat> around me right now yeah um uh and that that's um uh that's like um uh uh, <clears throat> uh like like uh, um uh, and 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 it's, it's another thing like you know the 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 another way to show like the the mythos is kind of grounded in the world even though it's not uh like because they like you know the, their whole thing is like at this point, like, eventually, in the later writings, you find out that he becomes more science fiction as opposed to fantasy, while still keeping mm-hmm. the elements of fantasy. And so, it's, it's like, he, um, uh, everything now, like, it's, it's now explainable by their science, the science of the old ones, um, uh, or of whatever space creatures, you know, that, that, that they, they may be, but it's so otherworldly that to us it's magic and we can... Uh, incorporate as if we would magic, like you know the thing with the angles, right? Um, uh, mm-hmm. so like, like, like you know, um, uh, non, in the witch house, non-Euclidean yeah. angles. What? Yeah, like in the witch um, house, uh, yeah. And I think it's mentioned somewhere else too. Well, it's kind of mentioned it everywhere, is. like everything having strange geometry, right? So um, the, uh, the witch house uh, focuses on it the most, in particular, yeah. but yes. Yeah, but like um, uh, uh, the, mentioning the, the 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 non-Euclidean angles, and then that shows where the uh, and then it said every religion has some because his his idea for the mythos was that in the world of the mythos every religion is somehow grounded within the mythos, including Christianity. So now Christi- you have Christianity, which is shown as you know shown as almost like the, the the religion of the good guys. You know, not necessarily a good religion, but the religion of the good guys. And yep. then um. Uh, but and, and then because they're they're the it's you know but there will be the ones that are going against the these you know evil creatures from outer space, but they have um, uh, uh, but like you know like and, and you you and he has like an explanation as to why it's like you know hey you know the crucifix stops witches and vampires and stuff, and it's but it's because they are in you know they they have become you know part of the the crew of the old ones. 
who are seem to be completely wrapped up in these you know this, these fake geometries and, and non-Euclidean angles. And then you look at the um, uh, and said, so why, why would the crucifix affect them? Um, uh, and it goes further into it. Uh, Fr- Frank Belknap Long, uh, when he wrote the Hounds of Tindalos, basically like the the phrase the Hounds of Tindalos is mentioned once in um, uh, in Whisper in Darkness, and a guy mm-hmm. from that name wrote a whole book about it. Um, uh, but it's 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 pretty cool. Um, uh, <clears throat> but he um. Uh, and and he went further into it, talking about how important the angles are and stuff. And so it's it's kind of shown that the, the 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 sign of the cross, just like the elder sign, um, uh, repels the old ones because it's perfect Euclidean angles. Yeah, yeah. There's a crazy <laughs> amount of ways to. And it's really like a big conspiracy theory, right? Like you come up mm-hmm. with these big random reasons to support the thing um, that you're trying to make people believe like whenever you hear flat earthers talk about the flat earth they'll come up with these one or two things that are technically true that Mm -hmm. make you go like for like a quarter of a second you're like oh okay but I mean Mm -hmm. that's all that the Lovecraft thing is but I mean it's doing it as a fictional story that's why it's special he's not really trying to convince Mm -hmm. people that young Sephoth is real he's not really trying to convince people that he believes that Cthulhu is real excuse me but he presents it in a way that he's like but I'm just saying you can't prove he's not real and he he Mm -hmm. made all of it up but I mean he does in this beautiful way and in the nihilism um Nihilism is technically speaking, and I don't want to jump into this, but nihilism, technically speaking, uh, in a, in the modern sense, is mm-hmm. meant to be this more progressive way of thought of being like, nothing matters, so don't worry about it. Do as you should be doing. Do what helps the world, and do what helps further the world, knowing that it doesn't matter. It's still technically positive, um, but yeah. he comes at nihilism from this perspective of like, hey, nothing matters, because if the old ones decide they're going to kill you, they're going to kill you. But also, you mm-hmm. matter so little, they'll never notice you. So, I mean, it's basically all about this one person who's breaking out of this nihilism to go and discover the things, and then in some way gets discovered by an entity, or discovers an entity, and then probably dies a horrible death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's that, wonderful. That, yeah, that, that, that was kind of mentioned with, uh, well, well, really, like, in, in, in all the... It, in, in in a lot of the the, the, the decent link stories is mentioned in at the mountains of madness uh, in reference to to the elder things it's re- mm-hmm. mentioned in shadow over Innsmouth in reference to the deep ones and it's mentioned in whisper and darkness in reference to the Migo where there's effectively this, this line of yeah X people whichever one it is at the time for the story said they could you know they, they could have killed everyone if they wanted to they just mm-hmm. didn't care to <laughs> yeah we just don't bother to because <clears throat> what's the point again mm-hmm. nihilism nihilism is is the real if you if you keep dialing in and dialing in to find like to narrow down exactly what this is all about this is about nihilism uh, uh, Lovecraft was the ultimate nihilist um, and you have to be to come up with these concepts and these particular things you have to be a nihilist nihilist whatever I don't care um, to be able to to make your entire story writing around this concept because that's the real core concept nothing matters mm-hmm. yeah 
Well, I know you have to go pretty soon, so that may be all we hit on today. I think that was a, a fair introduction to H.P. Lovecraft. I would um, say so. Uh, yeah. Now, before we um, uh, uh, before we go, I want to mention what we were planning on talking about next week. Uh, so starting next week, and I don't know how many weeks we're going to do this in a row, probably two in a row, then take a break, and maybe we'll move back to it eventually. But rather than go in-depth talking about Lovecraft stories, there are plenty of podcasts that do that, right? Like, um, uh, my favorite, I don't even know that they're still active, because reco- all the episodes I listened to were from 2011, so they, they may not still be active. But they're, they're good, and, and you should, if all you want is just people expounding on the stories that H.P. Lovecraft wrote, uh, then you, you, you couldn't, you, you couldn't hurt by going to, um, uh, I, if their website is still active and I haven't checked, hppodcraft.com or look up their, uh, their podcast, the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast, because they go into <laughs> more detail than what we're going to, probably, about the stories. Um, uh, we may hit one or two, but that's not what we're doing with Lovecraft, at least not right now. What, it's what been our, done. What our, yeah, it's been done, and, um, been done by better people than us, you know. Oh, massively. Um, uh, not better looking, but better. Um, well, uh, two out of three ain't bad. And so, they um. Uh, uh, and so what? What we're going to be? Uh, so what we're going to start talking about next week is is H.P. Lovecraft video games, and obviously there are some obvious choices that we should talk about. You know, right? There's um. Uh, uh, there's uh, cyanide games. Uh, their game, uh, The Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, uh, Red Hook's, uh, uh, Darkest Dungeon, uh, and there's, uh, uh, Bit Golem's, uh, Dagon, right? And mm-hmm. so for that reason, we're not talking about any of those. Our first game we're talking about will be Rock Pocket's Moons of Madness. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's good. I'm still, yeah. I'm still up in the air about it. I yeah. won't dive into it, but, like, I'm very torn on this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything about it, uh, other than I get it. It's a Lovecraft game. You have to have this. Ha- have have this like this, uh, at le- or at least one thing like this. Um, uh, but it's it's such a horror trope that uh, horror game trope, and it's not my favorite thing. They overdid this in, in Amnesia. Oh, Amnesia. That would be. That's a decent Lovecraft inspired mm-hmm. game. Sure, kind of. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, it seems to be really close to the same with Moons of Madness, but there's there seems to be, like, a lot of, like, monster chases. Like, you do the thing, here pops up the monster, run away from it. And they the games overdo that anymore, and it's not my favorite <clears throat> thing, but I'm gonna look past that when I when we talk about the game later. Yeah, if you if you want to, to see anything about Amnesia, just go watch PewDiePie videos from 2013. You'll get it. You'll get the idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Shall we uh, do an ending? Uh, like do 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 a dance? I was um, gonna do a dance, but I mean, more importantly, the, I feel like this needs a closing statement. Yeah, everyone. All we're really trying to say is that nothing matters. Kill yourself. Mm. Also, I I agree with uh, Sonia Green. Uh, I believe uh, on the, this one thing. I also believe that HP Lovecraft was an adequately excellent lover. Yeah, from my experience, <laughs> I'm not saying I dug up the grave in Providence, but I am saying it was adequate. Ad- adequate, adequately excellent. No, it was just adequate. No, just, just, just adequate. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. Huh.
Bye, everybody. Well, yeah. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> <laughs>